Section twelve of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section twelve. Monday, Tuesday, the twenty fifth and twenty sixth days of my heavy restraint. Still more and more strange things to write a messenger is returned and now all is out oh wretched wretched pamela what at last will become of me such strange turns and trials sure never poor creature of my years experienced he brought two letters one to mrs jukes and one to me but as the greatest wits may be sometimes mistaken they being folded and sealed alike that for me was directed to mrs jukes and that for her was directed to me but both are stark naught abominably bad she brought me up that directed for me and said here's a letter for you long looked for is come at last i will ask the messenger a few questions and then i will read mine so she went down and i broke it open in my closet and found it directed to mrs pamela andrews but when i opened it it began mrs jukes i was quite confounded but thought i this may be a lucky mistake i may discover something and so i read on these horrid contents mrs jukes what you write me has given me no small disturbance this wretched fool's plaything no doubt is ready to leap at anything that offers rather than express the least sense of gratitude for all the benefits she has received from my family and which i was determined more and more to heap upon her i reserve her for my future resentment and i charge you double your diligence in watching her to prevent her escape i send this by an honest swiss who attended me in my travels a man i can trust and so let him be your assistant for the artful creature is enough to corrupt a nation by her seeming innocence and simplicity and she may have got a party perhaps among my servants with you as she has here even john arnold whom i confided in and favoured more than any has proved an execrable villain and shall meet his reward for it as to that college novice williams i need not bid you take care he sees not this painted bauble for i have ordered mr shorter my attorney to throw him instantly into jail on an action of debt for money he has had of me which i had intended never to carry to account against him for i know all his rascally practices besides what you write me of his perfidious intrigue with that girl and his acknowledged contrivances for her escape when he knew not for certain that i designed her any mischief and when if he had been guided by a sense of piety or compassion for injured innocence as he pretends he would have expostulated with me as his function and my friendship for him might have allowed him but to enter into a vile intrigue with the amiable gewgaw to favour her escape in so base a manner to say nothing of his disgraceful practices against me in sir simon darnford's family of which sir simon himself has informed me is a conduct that instead of preferring the ungrateful wretch as i had intended shall pull down upon him utter ruin monsieur colbrand my trusty swiss will obey you without reserve 
if my other servants refuse. As for her denying that she encouraged his declaration, I believe it not. It is certain the speaking picture with all that pretended innocence and bashfulness would have run away with him. Yes, she would run away with a fellow that she had been acquainted with, and that not intimately, if you were as careful as you ought to be. But a few days, at a time when she had the strongest assurances of my honour to her. Well, I think I now hate her perfectly, and though I will do nothing to her myself, yet I can bear for the sake of my revenge, and my injured honour and slighted love, to see anything, even what she most fears, be done to her, and then she may be turned loose to her evil destiny, and echo to the woods and groves her piteous lamentations for the loss of her fantastical innocence, which the romantic idiot makes such a work about. I shall go to London with my sister Davers, and the moment I can disengage myself, which perhaps may be in three weeks from this time, I will be with you, and decide her fate, and put an end to your trouble. Meantime, be doubly careful, for this innocent, as I have warned you, is full of contrivances. I am your friend. I had but just read this dreadful letter through when Mrs. Jukes came up in a great fright, guessing at the mistake, and that I had her letter, and she found me with it open in my hand, just sinking away. What business, said she, had you to read my letter, and snatched it from me? You see, said she, looking upon it, it says Mrs. Jukes at top, you ought in manners to have read no further. Oh, add not, said I, to my afflictions, I shall be soon out of all your ways. This is too much, too much, I never can support this, and threw myself upon the couch in my closet and wept most bitterly. She read it in the next room, and came in again afterwards. Why, this, said she, is a sad letter indeed. I am sorry for it. But I feared you would carry your niceties too far. Leave me, leave me, Mrs. Jukes, said I, for a while. I cannot speak nor talk. Poor heart, said she. Well, I'll come up again presently, and hope to find you better. But here, take your own letter. I wish you well. But this is a sad mistake and so she put down by me that which was intended for me. But I have no spirit to read it at present. Oh, man, man, hard-hearted, cruel man, what mischiefs art thou not capable of, unrelenting, persecutor as thou art? I sat ruminating, when I had a little come to myself, upon the terms of this wicked letter, and had no inclination to look into my own. The bad names fool's plaything, artful creature, painted bauble, gew-gaw, speaking picture, are hard words for your poor Pamela, and I began to think whether I was not indeed a very naughty body, and had not done vile things. But when I thought of his having discovered poor John, and of Sir Simon's base officiousness in telling him of Mr. Williams, with what he had resolved against him in revenge for his goodness to me. I was quite dispirited, and yet still more about that fearful coal-brand, and what he could see done to me, for then I was ready to gasp for breath, and my heart quite failed me. Then how dreadful are the words, that he will decide my fate in three weeks. 
gracious heaven said i strike me dead before that time with a thunderbolt or provide some way for my escaping these threatened mischiefs god forgive me if i sinned at last i took up the letter directed for mrs jukes but designed for me and i find that little better than the other these are the hard terms it contains well have you done perverse forward artful yet foolish pamela to convince me before it was too late how ill i had done to place my affections on so unworthy an object i had vowed honour and love to your unworthiness believing you a mirror of bashful modesty and unspotted innocence and that no perfidious designs lurked in so fair a bosom but now i have found you out you specious hypocrite and i see that though you could not repose the least confidence in one you had known for years and who under my good mother's misplaced favour for you had grown up in a manner with you when my passion in spite of my pride and the difference of our condition made me stoop to a meanness that now i despise myself for yet you could enter into an intrigue with a man you never knew till within these few days past and resolve to run away with a stranger whom your fair face and insinuating arts had bewitched to break through all the ties of honour and gratitude to me even at a time when the happiness of his future life depended upon my favour henceforth for pamela's sake whenever i see a lovely face will i mistrust a deceitful heart and whenever i hear of the greatest pretences to innocence will i suspect some deep-laid mischief you were determined to place no confidence in me though i have solemnly over and over engaged my honour to you what though i had alarmed your fears in sending you one way when you hoped to go another yet had i not to convince you of my resolution to do justly by you although with great reluctance such then was my love for you engaged not to come near you without your own consent was not this a voluntary demonstration of the generosity of my intention to you yet how have you requited me the very first fellow that your charming face and insinuating address could influence you have practised upon corrupted too i may say and even ruined as the ungrateful wretch shall find and thrown your forward self upon him as therefore you would place no confidence in me my honour owes you nothing and in a little time you shall find how much you have erred in treating as you have done a man who was once your affectionate and kind friend mrs jukes has directions concerning you and if your lot is now harder than you might wish you will bear it the easier because your own rash folly has brought it upon you alas for me what a fate is mine to be thus thought artful and forward and ungrateful when all i intended was to preserve my innocence and when all the poor little shifts which his superior wicked wit and cunning have rendered ineffectual were forced upon me in my own necessary defence when mrs jukes came up to me again she found me bathed in tears she seemed as i thought to be moved to some compassion and finding myself now entirely in her power and that it is not for me to provoke her i said 
it is now i see in vain for me to contend against my evil destiny and the superior arts of my barbarous master i will resign myself to the divine will and prepare to expect the worst but you see how this poor mr williams is drawn in and undone i am sorry i am made the cause of his ruin poor poor man to be thus involved and for my sake too but if you'll believe me said i i gave no encouragement to what he proposed as to marriage nor would he have proposed it i believe but as the only honourable way he thought was left to save me and his principal motive to it at all was virtue and compassion to one in distress what other view could he have you know i am poor and friendless all i beg of you is to let the poor gentleman have notice of my master's resentment and let him fly the country and not be thrown into jail this will answer my master's end as well for it will as effectually hinder him from assisting me as if he was in a prison ask me said she to do anything that is in my power consistent with my duty and trust and i will do it for i am sorry for you both but to be sure i shall keep no correspondence with him nor let you i offered to talk of a duty superior to that she mentioned which would oblige her to help distressed innocence and not permit her to go the lengths enjoined by lawless tyranny but she plainly bid me be silent on that head for it was in vain to attempt to persuade her to betray her trust all i have to advise you said she is to be easy lay aside all your contrivances and arts to get away and make me your friend by giving me no reason to suspect you for i glory in my fidelity to my master and you have both practised some strange sly arts to make such a progress as he has owned there was between you so seldom as i thought you saw one another and i must be more circumspect than i have been this doubled my concern for i now apprehended i should be much closer watched than before well said i since i have by this strange accident discovered my hard destiny let me read over again that fearful letter of yours that i may get it by heart and with it feed my distress and make calamity familiar to me then said she let me read yours again i gave her mine and she lent me hers and so i took a copy of it with her leave because as i said i would by it prepare myself for the worst and when i had done i pinned it on the head of the couch this said i is the use i shall make of this wretched copy of your letter and here you shall always find it wet with my tears she said she would go down to order supper and insisted upon my company to it i would have excused myself but she began to put on a commanding air that i durst not oppose and when i went down she took me by the hand and presented me to the most hideous monster i ever saw in my life here monsieur colbrand said she here is your pretty ward and mine let us try to make her time with us easy he bowed and put on his foreign grimaces and seemed to bless himself and in broken english told me i was happy in de affections of de finest gentlemen in de varld i was quite frightened and ready to drop down and i will describe him to you my dear father and mother 
if now you will ever see this, and you shall judge if I had not reason, especially not knowing he was to be there, and being apprised as I was of his hated employment, to watch me closer. He is a giant of a man for stature, taller by a good deal than Harry Molich in your neighbourhood, and large-boned and scraggy, and has a hand. I never saw such an one in my life. He has great staring eyes like a bull's that frightened me so, vast jaw-bones sticking out, eyebrows hanging over his eyes, two great scars upon his forehead, and one on his left cheek, and two large whiskers, and a monstrous wide mouth, blubber lips, long yellow teeth, and a hideous grin. He wears his own frightful long hair, tied up in a great black bag, a black crepe neckcloth about a long ugly neck, and his throat sticking out like a wen. As to the rest, he was dressed well enough, and had a sword on, with a nasty red knot to it leather garters buckled below his knees and a foot near as long as my arm i verily think he said he fright de lady and offered to withdraw but she bid him not and i told mrs jukes that as she knew i had been crying she should not have called me to the gentleman without letting me know he was there i soon went up to my closet for my heart ached all the time i was at table not being able to look upon him without horror, and this brute of a woman, though she saw my distress before this addition to it, no doubt did it on purpose to strike more terror into me, and indeed it had its effect, for when I went to bed I could think of nothing but his hideous person, and my master's more hideous actions, and thought them too well paired, and when I dropped asleep, I dreamed they were both coming to my bedside, with the worst designs, and I jumped out of my bed in my sleep, and frightened Mrs. Jukes, till waking with the terror, I told her my dream, and the wicked creature only laughed, and said, All I feared was but a dream, as well as that, and when it was over, and I was well awake, I should laugh at it as such, and now I am come to the close of Wednesday, the twenty-seventh day of my distress. Poor Mr. Williams is actually arrested and carried away to Stamford. So there is an end of all my hopes from him, poor gentleman. His over-security and openness have ruined us both. I was but too well convinced that we ought not to have lost a moment's time, but he was half angry, and thought me too impatient and then his fatal confessions, and the detestable artifice of my master. But one might well think that he who had so cunningly and so wickedly contrived all his stratagems hitherto, that it was impossible to avoid them, would stick at nothing to complete them. I fear I shall soon find it so. But one stratagem I have just invented though a very discouraging one to think of, because I have neither friends nor money, nor know one step of the way if I was out of the house, but let bulls and bears and lions, and tigers and, what is worse, false, treacherous, deceitful men, stand in my way, I cannot be in more danger than I am, and I depend nothing upon his three weeks, for how do I know, now he is in such a passion, 
and has already begun his vengeance on poor Mr. Williams, that he will not change his mind, and come down to Lincolnshire before he goes to London. My stratagem is this. I will endeavour to get Mrs. Jukes to go to bed without me, as she often does, while I sit locked up in my closet, and as she sleeps very sound in her first sleep, of which she never fails to give notice by snoring, if I can but then get out between the two bars of the window, for you know I am very slender, and I find I can get my head through, then I can drop upon the leads underneath, which are little more than my height, and which leads are over a little summer parlour that juts out towards the garden, and as I am light I can easily drop from them, for they are not high from the ground. Then I shall be in the garden, and then, as I have the key of the back door, I will get out. But I have another piece of cunning still. Good heaven, succeed to me my dangerous but innocent devices. I have read of a great captain, who being in danger, leaped overboard into the sea, and his enemies, as he swam, shooting at him with bows and arrows, he unloosed his upper garment, and took another course, while they stuck that full of their darts and arrows, and so he escaped and lived to triumph over them all. So what will I do but strip off my upper petticoat, and throw it into the pond with my neck-handkerchief? For to be sure, when they miss me, they will go to the pond first, thinking I have drowned myself and so when they see some of my clothes floating there, they will be all employed in dragging the pond, which is a very large one, and as I shall not perhaps be missed till the morning, this will give me opportunity to get a great way off, and I am sure I will run for it when I am out, and so I trust that Providence will direct my steps to some good place of safety, and make some worthy body my friend, for sure, if I suffer ever so, I cannot be in more danger, nor in worse hands than where I am, and with such avowed bad designs. Oh, my dear parents, don't be frightened when you come to read this, but all will be over before you can see it, and so God direct me for the best. My writings, for fear I should not escape, I will bury in the garden, for to be sure I shall be searched and used dreadfully if I can't get off, and so I will close here for the present to prepare for my plot. Prosper thou, O gracious protector of oppressed innocence, this last effort of thy poor handmaid, that I may escape the crafty devices and snares that have begun to entangle my virtue, and from which, but by this one trial, I see no way of escaping. And, oh, whatever becomes of me bless my dear parents and protect poor mr williams from ruin for he was happy before he knew me just now just now i heard mrs jukes who is in her cups own to the horrid coal-brand that the robbing of poor mr williams was a contrivance of hers and executed by the groom and a helper in order to seize my letters upon him which they missed they are now both laughing at the dismal story, which they little think I overheard. Oh, how my heart aches! For what are not such wretches capable of? Can you blame me for endeavouring, through any danger, to get out of such clutches? Past eleven o'clock. Mrs. Jukes is come up and gone to bed. 
and bids me not stay long in my closet but come to bed oh for a dead sleep for a treacherous brute i never saw her so tipsy and that gives me hopes i have tried again and find i can get my head through the iron bars i am now all prepared as soon as i hear her fast and now i'll seal up these and my other papers my last work and to thy providence o oh my gracious god commit the rest once more god bless you both and send us a happy meeting if not here in his heavenly kingdom amen thursday friday saturday sunday the twenty-eighth twenty-ninth thirtieth and thirty-first days of my distress and distress indeed for here i am still and everything has been worse and worse oh the poor unhappy pamela without any hope left and ruined in all my contrivances but oh my dear parents rejoice with me even in this low plunge of my distress for your poor pamela has escaped from an enemy worse than any she ever met with an enemy she never thought of before and was hardly able to stand against i mean the weakness and presumption both in one of her own mind which had well nigh had not the divine grace interposed sunk her into the lowest last abyss of misery and perdition i will proceed as i have opportunity with my sad relation for my pen and ink in my now doubly secured closet are all i have to employ myself with and indeed i have been so weak that till yesterday evening i have not been able to hold a pen i took with me but one shift besides what i had on and two handkerchiefs and two caps which my pocket held for it was not for me to encumber myself and all my stock of money which was but five or six shillings to set out for i knew not where and got out of the window not without some difficulty sticking a little at my shoulders and hips but i was resolved to get out if possible and it was farther from the leads than i thought and i was afraid i had sprained my ankle and when i had dropped from the leads to the ground it was still farther off but i did pretty well there at least i got no hurt to hinder me from pursuing my intentions so being now on the ground i hid my papers under a rose-bush and covered them with mould and there they still lie as i hope then i hide away to the pond the clock struck twelve just as i got out and it was a dark misty night and very cold but i felt it not then when i came to the pond side i flung in my upper coat as i had designed and my neck handkerchief and a round-eared cap with a knot and then with great speed ran to the door and took the key out of my pocket my poor heart beating all the time against my bosom as if it would have forced its way through it and beat it well might for i then too late found that i was most miserably disappointed for the wicked woman had taken off that lock and put another on so that my key would not open it i tried and tried and feeling about i found a padlock besides on another part of the door oh then how my heart sunk i dropped down with grief and confusion unable to stir or support myself for a while but my fears awakening my resolution and knowing that my attempt would be as terrible for me as any other danger i could then encounter i clambered up 
upon the ledges of the door and upon the lock which was a great wooden one and reached the top of the door with my hands then little thinking i could climb so well i made shift to lay hold on the top of the wall with my hands but alas for me nothing but ill luck no escape for poor pamela the wall being old the bricks i held by gave way just as i was taking a spring to get up and down came i and received such a blow upon my head with one of the bricks that it quite stunned me and i broke my shins and my ankle besides and beat off the heel of one of my shoes in this dreadful way flat upon the ground lay poor i for i believe five or six minutes and then trying to get up i sunk down again two or three times and my left hip and shoulder were very stiff and full of pain with bruises and besides my head bled and ached grievously with the blow i had with the brick yet these hurts i valued not but crept a good way upon my feet and hands in search of a ladder i just recollected to have seen against the wall two days before on which the gardener was nailing a nectarine branch that was loosened from the wall but no ladder could i find and the wall was very high what now thought i must become of the miserable pamela then i began to wish myself most heartily again in my closet and to repent of my attempt which i now censured as rash because it did not succeed god forgive me but a sad thought came just then into my head i trembled to think of it indeed my apprehensions of the usage i should meet with had liked to have made me miserable for ever oh my dear dear parents forgive your poor child but being then quite desperate i crept along till i could raise myself on my staggering feet and away limped i what to do but to throw myself into the pond and so put a period to all my griefs in this world but oh to find them infinitely aggravated had i not by the divine grace been withheld in a miserable eternity as i have escaped this temptation blessed be god for it i will tell you my conflicts on this dreadful occasion that the divine mercies may be magnified in my deliverance that i am yet on this side the dreadful gulf from which there could have been no return it was well for me as i have since thought that i was so maimed as made me the longer before i got to the water for this gave me time to consider and abated the impetuousness of my passions which possibly might otherwise have hurried me in my first transport of grief on my seeing no way to escape and the hard usage i had reason to expect from my dreadful keepers to throw myself in but my weakness of body made me move so slowly that it gave time as i said for a little reflection a ray of grace to dart in upon my benighted mind and so when i came to the pond side i sat myself down on the sloping bank and began to ponder my wretched condition and thus i reasoned with myself pause here a little pamela on what thou art about before thou takest the dreadful leap and consider whether there be no way yet left no hope if not to escape from this wicked house yet from the mischiefs threatened thee in it i then considered and after i had cast about in my mind everything that could make me hope 
and saw no probability a wicked woman devoid of all compassion a horrid helper just arrived in this dreadful coal-brand an angry and resenting master who now hated me and threatened the most afflicting evils and that i should in all probability be deprived even of the opportunity i now had before me to free myself from all their persecutions what hast thou to do distressed creature said i to myself but throw thyself upon a merciful god who knows how innocently i suffer to avoid the merciless wickedness of those who are determined on my ruin and then thought i and oh that thought was surely of the devil's instigation for it was very soothing and powerful with me these wicked wretches who now have no remorse no pity on me will then be moved to lament their misdoings and when they see the dead corpse of the unhappy pamela dragged out to these dewy banks and lying breathless at their feet they will find that remorse to soften their obdurate heart which now has no place there and my master my angry master will then forget his resentments and say oh this is the unhappy pamela that i have so causelessly persecuted and destroyed now do i see she preferred her honesty to her life will he say and is no hypocrite nor deceiver but really was the innocent creature she pretended to be then thought i will he perhaps shed a few tears over the poor corpse of his persecuted servant and though he may give out it was love and disappointment and that perhaps in order to hide his own guilt for the unfortunate mr williams yet will he be inwardly grieved and order me a decent funeral and save me or rather this part of me from the dreadful stake and the highway interment and the young men and maidens all around my dear fathers will pity poor pamela but oh i hope i shall not be the subject of their ballads and elegies but that my memory for the sake of my dear father and mother may quickly slide into oblivion i was once rising so indulgent was i to this sad way of thinking to throw myself in but again my bruises made me slow and i thought what art thou about to do wretched pamela how knowest thou though the prospect be all dark to thy short-sighted eye what god may do for thee even when all human means fail god almighty would not lay me under these sore afflictions if he had not given me strength to grapple with them if i will exert it as i ought and who knows but that the very presence i so much dread of my angry and designing master for he has had me in his power before and yet i have escaped may be better for me than these persecuting emissaries of his who for his money are true to their wicked trust and are hardened by that and a long habit of wickedness against compunction of heart god can touch his heart in an instant and if this should not be done i can then but put an end to my life by some other means if i am so resolved but how do i know thought i that even these bruises and maims that i have gotten while i pursued only the laudable escape i had meditated 
may not kindly have furnished me with the opportunity i am now tempted with to precipitate myself and of surrendering up my life spotless and unguilty to that merciful being who gave it then thought i who gave thee presumptuous as thou art a power over thy life who authorized thee to put an end to it when the weakness of thy mind suggests not to thee a way to preserve it with honour how knowest thou what purposes god may have to serve by the trials with which thou art now exercised art thou to put a bound to the divine will and to say thus much will i bear and no more and wilt thou dare to say that if the trial be augmented and continued thou wilt sooner die than bear it this act of despondency thought i is a sin that if i pursue it admits of no repentance and can therefore hope no forgiveness and wilt thou to shorten thy transitory griefs heavy as they are and weak as thou fanciest thyself plunge both body and soul into everlasting misery hitherto pamela thought i thou art the innocent the suffering pamela and wilt thou to avoid thy sufferings be the guilty aggressor and because wicked men persecute thee wilt thou fly in the face of the almighty and distrust his grace and goodness who can still turn all these sufferings to benefits and how do i know but that god who sees all the lurking vileness of my heart may have permitted these sufferings on that very score and to make me rely solely on his grace and assistance who perhaps have too much prided myself in a vain dependence on my own foolish contrivances then again thought i wilt thou suffer in one moment all the good lessons of thy poor honest parents and the benefit of their example who have persisted in doing their duty with resignation to the divine will amidst the extreme degrees of disappointment poverty and distress and the persecutions of an ungrateful world and merciless creditors to be thrown away upon thee and bring down as in all probability this thy rashness will their grey hairs with sorrow to the grave when they shall understand that their beloved daughter slighting the tenders of divine grace despairing of the mercies of a protecting god has blemished in this last act a whole life which they had hitherto approved and delighted in what then presumptuous pamela dost thou here thought i quit with speed these perilous banks and fly from these curling waters that seem in their meaning murmurs this still night to reproach thy rashness tempt not god's goodness on the mossy banks that have been witnesses of thy guilty purpose and while thou hast power left thee avoid the tempting evil lest thy grand enemy now repulsed by divine grace and due reflection return to the assault with a force that thy weakness may not be able to resist and let one rash moment destroy all the convictions which now have awed thy rebellious mind into duty and resignation to the divine will and so saying i arose but was so stiff with my hurts so cold with the moist dew of the night and the wet grass on which i had sat 
as also with the damps arising from so large a piece of water that with great pain i got from this pond which now i think of with terror and bending my limping steps towards the house took refuge in the corner of an outhouse where wood and coals are laid up for family use till i should be found by my cruel keepers and consigned to a more wretched confinement and worse usage than i had hitherto experienced and there behind a pile of firewood i crept and lay down as you may imagine with a mind just broken and a heart sensible to nothing but the extremest woe and dejection End of section twelve.